For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill After, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. Why, a hello and a howdy. We're so very glad to see you because we're getting kind of rowdy and we've got a lot to say. And we're going to try and do our very best to entertain you and we hope you'll be delighted by the time you go away. That's really exciting, right, Omega? Indeed. Yeah, right. HIAC Talk Radio is always exciting. You will deal with that Atlas, harshly. Thank you, broke it. And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio. The Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. I don't even know how to start this one, sorry. It's been that kind of a night. But welcome to HIC Talk Radio, the best wrestling podcast running independently since 2012. And by being Dan Kyle Chico, with me as always, Craig Legans. And we have a few things to talk about. I want to say a lot to talk about, but, you know, we usually milk the three or four, five, <laughs> three or four or five things. Three or four, four things. Four. four, four, five, four. Thanks. Uh, for seven. Sixers. Uh, about uh, good enough, so I think we'll be okay. John Cena has two books coming out in April. I, I don't. I, cool. Hey, John Cena has two books coming out in April. I wonder uh, if we will be able to see them. Uh, so are, they're coloring books, I'm assuming. Are they? No, I think one's a biography, isn't it? Okay. Is I. So there's two books. There's one the biography and the other. So what? The coloring book? I don't know. I, I, all I was told was is uh, John Cena has two books coming out. Okay. I ADD'd out of the rest of it. <laughs> they coming out. I don't. Know, it's weird. I mean, they're coming out at the same time. It's, um Daddy, you're here. Give me the information. Yes. And why do you? And why would you know that John Cena is having two books coming out at the John same time? John Cena told her. Wow. Okay. Personally. Ooh. She only heard a voice because, again, you can't see him. Had Motivational books for elementary and middle school. That's why Danny knows because she is a – well, a I don't want to give teacher. her – shoot. she is the teacher who shoot job away yes. on the – An edumacator. An edumacator. Uh, thank God. Hopefully we can get past edumacation as a word. Um, I, I just want to take this opportunity to say John Cena is still one of the most legit. I, I, I know people hate him as a wrestler because he only has six moves, which is bullshit, but whatever. Um, I don't like it was cool to crap on him from 2015 on. I, with all that goes on in wrestling, as far as being a wrestler goes, 
not so much – it's like the Phil Collins thing. Let's not talk about the relationships. Yeah. Uh, he's one of the better guys out there than I know. John Cena, for all the uh, criticism that he may take for his work in the ring, and rightfully so in some cases, uh, you cannot ever knock his work ethic. And, you know, it goes back to when he was in OBW with uh, Jim Cornette. He was – had by the time he was called into OBW, he already had his own room. He had his own transportation. He had, I mean, he, he was all upset. He was driving the ring truck. Guy was always ready, always prepared, always on time. So, and that was back when he was a in his mid twenties, just trying to break in to the sport. So that you know, that work of ethic of his has never gone away. I think that's why he and Rock rub each other the wrong way so much because they're very similar to each other in that respect of how much they they love the business and whatever they do, they put their all you know heart and effort to. Also, uh. John Cena is legitimately the, the the best promo guy, or one of the best on the mic WWE's ever had. And people will shove off that the rap gimmick because when he first premiered on SmackDown and was a great match with Kurt Angle and he got the rub from The Undertaker and all that, he really didn't have a character. I mean, he had the, the, the day clothes shorts and didn't know what to do with them. And it, uh, out of all things, when... Uh, Stephanie McMahon heard him on a, I don't know, the bus or plane, uh, rapping, and she asked him to do a freestyle rap, and he did it. That became his character, and it, that he ran with. And I love the fact that all of his his sports jerseys came from Mitchell and Ness right here in Philadelphia. Well, that and was legit. That was legit. Oh, that's cool. I yeah, didn't know that. he did an autograph signing at at Mitchell and Ness right here in Philly. That the line went around the block. Uh, because when the Royal Rumble was here in Philly, uh, he came out with a uh, official Mitchell and Ness Tug McGraw jersey. And this I like do a, remember that. A but month I, after he died. I yeah. thought he just bought it. I didn't know he was like, yeah, I need that. <laughs> no. No. He, uh, but, he, but he was he, – as a freestyle rapper, even to the point where he would go to, to the shows when he was a heel and people would try to – battle him in battle raps, and and he won every single time. So being able to battle rap is can be a skill in and of itself, but that makes him a legitimate great promo guy because every time he was on the – when he said something on the mic, especially even if it was about the fans booing him, back when, like you said, it was cool to, to boo him, he was always – you know, he, he had a, an instant response. He was – knock him all you want, but – uh, to quote a, a semi-good song, you can't knock the hustle of uh, of John Cena. You put out a rap album. Yeah. The only other wrestler that I know, well, the only other wrestler in the modern era I know to do that was Macho Man. And I wouldn't call that a rap. I can't decide which one's better. Yeah. <laughs> we could go with John Cena. And John Cena's rap was even used in another movie. Um, so, and his uh, rap, uh, Bad Man. So, he was... He's he's legit, as they say. Maybe too legit to quit. You don't see much. You don't say Macho Man uh, uh, saying he's gonna knock Hogan on his butt and wash his mouth out with soap. Does rap? No. No. Okay. No. <laughs> Try to be. That's how I imagine Macho Man raps. 
It's so bad. I'm sorry. It's a bad album. All, rest, all due respect to the late, great Randy Savage. Oh, <laughs> so bad. Oh, oh, no. Oh, hell no. Oh, yes. Great wrestler, absolutely. And, Dan, and Danny knew because she's part of promoting the books. Part of the news. Oh, okay. Promoting the books. Thank you for the info, Danny. You know, I, I miss details sometimes. I, I read a lot during the day. I'm like, did that happen? What? what? <laughs> that real thing? Is that, did I, is that a rumor? Uh, so, speaking of legends in wrestling, uh, this actually shocked me. Okay. Uh, the Big Show has signed with AEW. Uh, no, actually, that's incorrect, Dan. Paul White. Oh, excuse signed me. With AEW. My bad. Paul White, yes. He cannot be referred to as the Big Show. On that. Now, here's what he can do, though, Dan. While he's on TNT for as long as a contract he has, he can promote the Go Big Show, but he cannot use the he cannot use the words. They missed him in himself. an advert. Did I miss him in an advert already? No. Or I, if there was, I haven't seen it, but that's their, that's their one way around it. He could even introduce it. Hey, you know, welcome to the Go Big Show. <laughs> or he just do tongue in cheek. Welcome to the Go Big Show. Ah, uh-huh. <laughs> and th- now when you heard that uh, Paul White had signed with AEW, what were your first thoughts? I said, uh, I guess he's wrestling Shaq. <laughs> <laughs> I did. The first thing I saw when I saw, uh, and, and I know I read the press release first before I reacted, and I know he's supposed to be part of the commentary because AEW doesn't have enough of a commentator. The one no. thing AEW is really low on is commentators. Never enough during the show. And so, especially you, a, a commentator who's uh, a wrestler who's never done commentating before. No, no, That's it'll be better. fine. Yeah. yeah, no, it'll be fine. No, they have no commentators. They didn't sign anybody worthwhile uh, three times over to fill the seats at the commentary table. So I understand they absolutely, positively, extremely need commentators. Yeah. At AEW, especially seven foot ones. That. Yes, ones that could do it alone because he's Paul White. Uh, so the way to understand it, the press release is uh, correct. He's going to be doing commentary on another YouTube show that they're going to put out. Yes. And uh, and I read that. And I said, okay, cool, he's going to be a wrestler. But I just assumed, this is, this is an assumption on my part, yeah. that they were going to go for the big show in Shaq since Vince seemed, for some ungodly reason, unwilling or unable, or both, to do that. Uh, my thoughts were, on top of the commentary pun and everything else, mm-hmm. uh, goes back to my thoughts that we have every time AEW comes up, is that they have, that I'm convinced they signed half the people they signed just to sign them. Yeah, old WCW thing, mm-hmm. where they were never going to get used at 100%. Uh, just to fill up spots on YouTube and shows not on TV because that's where I want to go. I want to go right to YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm already there. <laughs> um, and just bloat the roster because the money was there. Which, yeah. you know, works out great all the time. Yeah, and, and kind of like the uh, WWF in the early 80s when they were just taking – every talent they could from every territory, 
for the simple reason just to put the other territory out of business. Never mind, we've got way too many wrestlers on this roster, and we don't have anywhere near enough spots to fill for all of them. I mean, I I was in Florida. I was in college in Florida when they took Scott McGee. Now, Scott McGee is a name that a lot of wrestling, uh, casual wrestling fans don't know. He was a Florida heavyweight champion. He pinned Ric Flair on television in a non-title match. He was a big deal. The very next week, he was gone and he because he was wrestling in Madison Square Garden on the opening match in the WWF. Okay? And Scott McGee's career in the WWF never went anywhere because, like I said, they were just taking every wrestler they could from every territory just to sign them away, just to hurt the other business, but had no idea what to do with them. And so guys like Scott McGee and Ron Bass and um, Billy Jack Haynes and uh, Missing Link and guys that ne- that cattle bet never really went anywhere, never really did anything. Uh, Steve Kern, another one, just because they just had so many people on the roster, they just they were doing it to do it. With AEW, they seem really set on signing as many old names that casual fans might remember and putting them on the roster just to have them on. So when he, someone says someone like Jake Snake Roberts, oh, yeah, I remember him. He's still around? Yeah, he's on AEW. I almost, but we were talking about our favorite uh, radio station this morning. We were talking about Young Rock, and someone mentioned Tony Atlas, and Preston goes, oh, man, Tony Atlas. I haven't heard that name in a long time. That's what AEW's uh, target audience seems to be. Neither is Tony. Yeah. That finding someone else. Oh, Tully Blanche. Oh, Warren Anderson. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah, and Chris Jericho. Him I know. And putting them all on the AEW uh, roster with absolutely no idea what on earth to do with them. Because all the the wrestlers I just named, Tully, Arn, Jake, Snake, Roberts, are floundering. They're all managers, but they're not doing anything with the wrestlers that they manage. All four, All three of them are the best talkers the wrestling business has ever seen. Are they giving promos for their guys? Are they at least been giving any time at all to talk about the people they're in charge of? No. Or is Arnie Anderson pretty much invisible for the most the most pro the most high profile wrestler in the company? Cody Rhodes has Arn Anderson for his manager and all he does is hide his face behind a a uh, a Pizza Hut menu. There there is a there's a shot of there was a promo shot of a segment from AEW the other night where Tully was wearing the same color jacket as the background of the room, and I thought he was just hiding behind a curtain. I was like, what the? Oh, it's his jacket? Who's that? Okay. <laughs> it's just, it baffles. I, I know I get, I'll get, I'm the... And notice that we never sit here and say, WWE is the greatest show that ever. No. So everybody who says WWE apologists, it's not that. Just trust us. If you listen hard enough, it ain't that. No. But you have a different expectation based on what you said, Cody Rhodes mm-hmm. and Kenny Omega and Young Bucks. And we're way past any of that being – it's just not – I've said it 
30 times, and it's just not what it is. And that's fine. I knew what it was going to be. Mm-hmm. But you're doing the same thing Nitro did where they took all those guys from ECW. They took all those guys from other places yeah. to fill up spots, yeah. and then they were mid-card or worse. Mm-hmm. And somebody will find something else to do with them. Yeah. I just... Yeah, and I, I if you're making the, because I found that on Twitter, I had no idea that he uh, that he had left or that he had signed with AEW, and apparently um, Lance Archer was doing a podcast and he had no idea either. They broke the nose, they broke the the news to him. Yeah, he yeah. broke it and it broke his nose. Yeah, but he had no idea, so this came out of nowhere. Um, obviously, and it it shows the the short sightedness of. AEW, which we've already discussed because they have absolute legends on the roster that they're doing absolutely nothing with. And if the plan was going forward was to have a match with Shaq, why not wait to debut Paul White? With Even if he's not wrestling Shaq, you have a match with Shaq already set out, bring him out then. Why not and not even announce it? Like, oh my God, Paul White's here. In the same ring, have cost Shaq the match or cost Shaq's team the match. Why not debut him that way? But if you're going to make this big deal, this big elaborate, hey, look who we have. But now we're going to, not only are we going to make him an announcer, we're going to put him on a show that nobody watched in the first place. Well, it's bad enough your your ratings are already tanking on TNT, on a national, broad, national cable broadcast, but we're going to put our biggest acquisition literally put him on the YouTube show doing something he's never done before. Asterisk, you're, you're, you're getting the same reason ratings that WCW was uh, taken off the air for. Yeah. So we'll put that asterisk. I know, different time, different point stands. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for the follow. Appreciate it. I just want to cut Craig off in the middle of that. Thank you very much for the follow. I hope you enjoy yourself. You're now a DLC. Um, so, it it just, it occurs to me that these, uh, and I don't get too, like, worked up about on Twitter because for a lot of these guys, it's a paycheck. Yeah. I'm not, Joe Janelle's getting paid. Yeah, and and that's why you wouldn't fault anyone for signing with AEW. Hell no. If someone wants to give Tony Khan money, you get the, the... Tony Khan money for doing the exact same thing you'd be doing for, for WWE? Hell yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah. No, no. My fault lies with the bookers. Yeah. And the writers. Yeah. Writer, the writers that drink the water. Writers. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, we called it. Yeah. And, it, and that's another thing. There's people out there. There is a difference between hating on it to hate on it. And doing what we're doing. I want it better. Yes. I'm so tired of having to explain, well, if you hate it, don't turn, turn it off. No, no. I want something that I used to get joy out of to be joyous again. And I, I'm not saying everything has to be for me, mm-hmm. uh, middle-aged white dude. It isn't, and I don't care. I, I don't need that. I'll go watch the old shit when it was all white dudes, you know? <laughs> like, um, and I understand it's mainly for kids and to sell merchandise just like Star Wars and Marvel and anything else. That is the way it is. I'm not a fool in that way. But at the same time, do better for the people that you sign. You sign Sunny Kiss. 
whether we agree or disagree or not, whether that Sonny should be in the main event. Mm-hmm. You signed him. You signed her for the main event. Try it. Mm-hmm. Not one tenant minute match for the TNT Championship. Nyla Rose, same thing. I will bring up the Nyla Rose thing until I'm blue in the face. Nyla Rose signed for a reason that you didn't use. Period. Sting's wrestling in the match. Sting from Stingmark here, the biggest Stingmark in the world, arguably, was like, no, oh, he is. And not to spoil it, without any fanfare and without any pay-per-view members, Shaq was officially in ring tonight. And that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. So, again, I think back to Goldberg on Nitro beating Hogan and not trying to make money off. It's hard to compare. It's hard not to compare it to WCW when you're seeing the same thing. I don't know. I just want better. I love. For and to circle back around the big show, love Paul White. Yeah, Paul White's a good dude. Mm-hmm. Seems like a really nice, a very good dude. Yeah, who was given the world mm-hmm. and had to learn a couple lessons the old-fashioned way, and learned those lessons. Became a good ambassador for the business, mm-hmm. a good locker room presence, and a really good wrestler for yes. his size. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Happy for him. If he if he was not getting something out of WWE anymore, cool. But what about the other thirty? Yeah, is that enough to spike ratings past a million or past a million and nine? What what do they get? Million point five? Are they even hitting one point five? I don't know. No, me neither. Sting didn't do it. Show's not going to do it. No, especially not. Well, Paul White's definitely not going to do it. Stop it! You know what Big I mean. I know, but I mean, but I mean, Big Show might have. If you said Big Show on AEW, oh, yes, okay, but, yeah, 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 but but Paul White, no, it's not going to. I do want to see him wrestle Shaq, though. I do want to see that. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah, and based on what I see, the dude can bump. So, yeah, and 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 shows fifty, you know, and he's and he's coming off injury, and he hasn't been in the long in the ring in in quite a while. Um and not that he should. He's not going to be wrestling a regular schedule. He's not going to be wrestling at all. Good. Yeah. Maybe if you're going to you, do it you, right. you say that. But I don't trust these guys. <laughs> I, I, I would trust it uh, more if show wasn't 50 and wasn't 7 feet and wasn't, you know, uh, coming off injuries, uh, even if it's just twice a year thing, I'd be cool with that. But at the same time um, – Again, what else are you going to do with him? I said the same thing when when you, when we got when they got Sting. That's great. That's amazing. What are you going to do with him? What can he do? <laughs> he <made me> snort. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's but it's, it's, a, it's a question. Yes. What are you going to do? What do you, and okay, that's when we we got Paul White. Excellent. To do what? What's it's like? Okay, now what? That's like every with every big name. AEW sign or a past superstar is okay. Now what? What you know? I didn't think I need to say that with Rusev, but apparently I do because there's another guy we forgot. Yeah, he was going to come in and do and do better things than he ever did in WWE. 
FTR, the greatest tag team, still the greatest tag team in North America. Invisible, because they laid down for the young folks. Keep in mind, it's very good. Um, uh, so there's plenty to knock AEW when they have absolutely groundbreaking generational talent. I was talking to Socks about this. We were playing Fortnite on Monday. Uh-huh. I was talking to Socks. And we don't always see eye to eye with wrestling because he, he, he watched as a kid, kind of fell out of it, and then got back into it because of being Ryan like right. a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. Different perspective, right? Yeah. Jenny was the same thing. You know, I jaded her real quick because I'm like, yeah, I know, but because I, I brought her down to the point where I said, you got to stop asking me about wrestling because I'm just not going to have the same excitement and I don't want to take it out of you. And I told Aaron the same thing. I'm like, you got to stop asking me because I'm just going to bring you down and I know it's my flaw. So don't ask. Like I was self-aware kind of thing, not like Twitter. I know it all. I'm Dave Meltzer. Um, but... I was ta- he was talking to me about it, and I immediately said in the Shaq thing about show, mm-hmm. and I brought up the same thing. Like, I just want it better. Prove me wrong. Yes. Not, And I'm a nobody. Mm-hmm. I'm a nobody. So who the fuck are you, Dan? <laughs> just like, prove me wrong. Yes. Not you, Joe Blow on the internet, Mm-mm. who are just like, yes, everything they do is great. If you enjoy the show, I'm not here to tell you not to enjoy the show. Yes. Not but here to do that yeah, to, any, yeah. to any, any side. You enjoy the WWE. Enjoy, uh, there's stuff on Raw that I enjoy that you don't like. Like, I like the Randy Orton, Alexa Bliss stuff. You probably don't because of what it is. Totally understand your perspective. Um, so I'm not here to tell you you're right or wrong, but I am going to talk about what I believe, and I believe the AEW is no better than the WWE as far as Broken Promises. But the one thing Sox said, and I will double down on on this show, and I agree with, that the WWE Women's Division is better because they're highlighting them. Still <laughs> underneath the men's time, but still highlighting them where AEW is putting them on YouTube. Yeah, I can't argue that. No. And I'm not allowed to be mad, but I'm mad about that. You're allowed to be mad, and for people that like AEW and Raw. I mean, for people that like the kind of thing, those are the kind of things those people like. We like, yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now, let's talk about something we do like. Something yeah. that I didn't think I was going to like because I didn't think they were going to pull the trigger on it the way they did, and they certainly did, and should have seen it coming when the Miz won. Uh, <laughs> and we didn't get to talk about that. I thought it was cool. I know we talked about Drew holding it until WrestleMania. Yeah. I know, but these recent developments have kind of killed that idea. Yeah. The Miz wins surprisingly, and I was like, oh, wow. Like, I popped for the first time in a while, mm-hmm. not pants-wise, uh, when The Miz won the title. I was like, oh, shit. That's a great ending. That's fantastic. Great. And I should have known. <laughs> I should have known. I got real tallied right there. It's like, I should have known. I should have known. known. That that would have led to Bobby steamrolling him. Mm-hmm. Because eventually they're going to do Bobby and Drew. I assume they're going to do Bobby and Drew or Bobby and Roman. But we'll get to that in a second. Because on Raw, Mm -hmm. to cap the show off, Bobby Lashley is the WWE champion. Yes. The Hurt Business is running the show. Hurt Business and business is good. Talk about it, my friend. (laughs) You know, we mentioned the, the Hurt Business on this podcast quite a bit. The resurgence of MVP, my vote for comeback of the year, even though the year is only three months old, 
but what he's been doing since uh, he returned to the WWE a year ago in the Royal Rumble, when he made his return at the Royal Rumble last year, and the pop he got coming out, you know, in the Black Black Panther spandex, and I thought he was going to go for another run, you know, you know, he'd been gone for 10 years, and comes back. I knew that his best asset was his mouth. As good as he was in the ring, you know, former tag team champion, formerly the longest reigning United States champion in WWE history. A record that was broken by a record that was broken by uh, the artist formerly known as Dean Ambrose. But he was the the longest reigning United States champion in, in WWE history. But when he start when he started the hurt business, I said he's on to something. Because only he, what he could do with, with Bobby Lashley and Bobby Lashley is not the first time he's had a manager. I thought he had the best one possible with Leo Rush. But bringing in Shelton Benjamin, guys that he's known for the longest time, adding Cedric Alexander, making the hurt business the best stable in professional wrestling. And we know how much Vince loves groups, you know, the Wyatt family, the Shield, even going back to the Hart Foundation, the Nation of Domination, um, DOA, Lost for a Week was. You love a good stable. Haven't had that in a while. You know, but, but now with the Shield, the Wyatt family, the New Day, all gone, bringing, making the Hurt business the new stable. In the premier stable in the WWE, doing something that hasn't been done since the Shield, where every member has a championship. Because we know how much, you know, I said Vince knows, loves stables, you know, Wide Family, Shield, New Day, even going back to the Hart Foundation, Nation of Domination, uh, DOA, Lost for a Week was, all those guys. But now you have to bring the Hart, the, the Hurt business. Resurrecting the career of Shelton Benjamin, easily the best athlete in the history of the WWE. Pairing him with a guy, speaking, we were talking about AEW and wrestlers going nowhere. Cedric Alexander was one of those people. Amazing on 205 Live, great performer. This is the first time we got to see his personality come out. And I like what they're doing. They were teasing the heel turn or the face turn of Cedric on Shelton. But they pulled back on that because of what was coming with Bobby Lashley. Bobby is the, 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 the other, I don't know what it is. Uh, for last year or two years ago, it was Kofi. Now it's Bobby getting the, the mega push, getting rewarded for his long years of service with the company. I thought it was interesting, Dan, that the last time that Bobby Lashley won a world championship was in TNA. And guess who was by his side on crutches? That would be MVP. My, it's funny how the world works. It is funny how the world works. But they did a great job of teasing it. You know, I didn't think it was going to happen, obviously. I didn't Miz think it was going to happen either. Miz versus, versus Drew would not be a big money matchup, even if there is no – I think if, the, if there was people, we were allowed to go back to the arenas, Miz versus uh, Drew McIntyre would still draw zero people. It would still be an empty arena. That's a shame that because, again, you know the discussion you and I had that Miz is so underrated. How he's still underrated at this point, I don't understand. But you and I both agree he's probably one of the better guys out there. And that telecast, Dan, on Monday, 
playing the cowardly heel to the nth degree on a three-hour show. Yep. Backing out, feigning injury, backing out, running out of the ring, count out, backing out, until finally getting in the ring and just getting squashed. Perfect. That's what a heel does, folks. That's what a cowardly heel is supposed to do. That's wrestling 101. You put the big guy over, being the cowardly heel. And didn't make Lashley a face so much, but it just made him dominant. Just to add on to what you said, Sox was in the chat and says, Hurt Business is the best faction since the Shield was in its prime. In yes. my opinion. Mine yes. too. Or better. Yeah, and, uh, and, you, and, and because they always want to replace that. You know, that's why there was such a resurgence uh, eight, six years ago with, with Faction, with S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Wyatt family and uh, New Day all of a sudden because they hadn't had that in so long. And once you get a big, a, a premier heel group, you want to duplicate it or a premier, you know, and to the point where the New Day got over so much being heels that they became faces. Same thing with the S.H.I.E.L.D. The only one that stayed healed were the Wyatt family, and that was because of Bray. You know what? I I, I don't know how on the nose I am about this, but you know how it feels to me? It feels like that old story that you hear about in the 80s and the early 90s, well, even into the mid-90s before it was TV, 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 was mm-hmm. the old story where well, the Heyman thing, where, okay, I'll work with him. Yeah. I'll make it work. Right. You're not doing anything with him? I got it. It kind of felt like that, and it extended the TV like a Paul Heyman thing with anybody would, where you had these guys, no fault on their own, yeah, who were floundering in the company, where their abilities, whether uh, whether or not it was also my abilities, does not matter. In this conversation, it does not matter. If you put a Leo Rush was great with Bobby Lashley. I know he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, kind of why he was put in the position that he was. Yeah. <laughs> and why, the wrong why way. But I, I thought we were talking about Cowley. He would have been the greatest manager of all time be, simply because not only could he talk, he could work, and he was small. So yeah. when you got your hands on that weasel It'll in front of a live shit. crowd, that place goes crazy. You know, that all I could hear in my head when he went was, Lashley, 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 Lashley. All I heard. <laughs> yeah, and, and and he was perfect for for Bobby. Other the only other person other than him was MVP. The only but, thing missing. God, I was just gonna just to finish what I was gonna say and then go right back onto it was that it felt like organic where for whatever reason these guys were not getting what they should have rightfully earned. Mm-hmm. And and MVP, I got it. We'll do yeah. this every week. Trust me, we can make this work. And look, look where we're at. We're going into WrestleMania season where there's probably going to be an audience again. Mm-hmm. Not a large. Just lo- this time next year, if Hurt yeah. Business is not still together, I'm going to be mad. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But there's going to probably be a crowd there. Yeah. And Bobby Lashley's the goddamn champion. Roman Reigns is the other champion. And the only thing I thought was missing on the Monday Night Show is that I would have liked to have seen all three champions in the ring at the same time. At the at the end of uh, Monday Night Raw, would have been nice. Yeah, that would have been well, nice. We're gonna get our. Or I, I'm assuming we're gonna. If we don't get the Raw fade in, just the three, it's just everybody standing out there. Yeah, going, ah, they've got they've got to open the show next on Monday, 
and they are they're in a conundrum right now because I I've said Drew McIntyre should have been champion this whole time. And, uh, and take away said. yeah, and, and take away his 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 loss to Randy Orton. I don't know what that was for. I don't know who that was for. I don't know why. I guess why Randy Orton had to be champion again during his career. But if you kept the belt on Drew the whole time, have him go over in the Elimination Chamber only to lose it to the Cowardly Miz uh, to to get it to Lashley, that say, it still keeps Drew strong. And you have you set up your Drew versus Bobby Lashley uh, main event on WrestleMania because if anyone deserves a, a WrestleMania with a crowd is the guy that beat Brock Lesnar in five minutes. And then right after that beat Big Show in, in less than three. Yeah, that's true. I forgot. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hey, uh, you think that's where they're going? Are they going Lashley Drew? Or what yeah, do you think I they're know, going with it? I, he's the only logical. If they've already set up Edge Roman on SmackDown uh, with Edge fearing Roman after the uh, – the Kevin Smith, Kevin Owens match, um, then your Lashley's only logical opponent is, is Drew. I know Lashley, his wish list, he, he wants Brock, and that would be a a, a great uh, mania event, especially with available, especially with people coming back. I think I, Brock's always available. I think okay. for the right for the right price. I honestly forgot where he was contracted at this point. Yeah. Um, or if, or if, but but failing Brock though, your your best, uh, his only opponent, his only option as far as like uh, to draw any type of crowd or to draw any interest is with Drew. But the big question is though, Dan, who goes over? Do you want to do you, do you keep the belt on Lashley? You ride that momentum that he's got, or do you? When people are back, back, Drew, you keep Drew the man. This is why I'm not a booker. <laughs> um, you, oh man, because if, if you immediately pull it off Lashley, you get the internet ire. Mm-hmm. This is a racist piece. Well, I mean, we know he's a racist, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, um. Man, that's a, at WrestleMania. Who do you who? Do you, no, he keeps it. You think Lashley keeps? Oh, Lashley keeps this for a while. They don't do what they did to. Um, how long did Kofi hold it? Kofi uh, so he had it from from WrestleMania to when did? Uh, six I don't months. remember. I, yeah, it was wait, like what? Six, seven months, right? Yeah, and he lost it to Lesnar in thirty in eight seconds. Yeah. Uh, they don't do that. Don't do that again. Mm-mm. I don't know why we need another match to dictate that Brock was a badass. Kind of been established. Yeah. Whatever. So the only reason for me to get over that is to not do that again. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, I would say uh, – see, it's tough because if, if we said the Drew thing, assuming they were going to do status quo on the mm-hmm. big title, right? Yeah. Since that's out the window, and I'm – again, I'm just assuming it's because Vince sees – People at WrestleMania, mm-hmm. I say keep it on last year for a while. I wouldn't be upset if Drew got another run with it with crowds in the building. No, as long as as long as Bobby doesn't talk very often, and MVP is there, and he gets another run in, in that iteration, I'm cool. Bobby never needs to speak again. I don't think you'll argue with me that he's a good talker. No, 
No. Does not need to speak. All you have to do, Dan, is give that look. That's it. The He's look fine is, that way. Yes. The the look is what makes Bobby Lashley. Bobby I Lashley. never forget. And I have it on DVD to call me. Mm-hmm. I'm making sure I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. Lockdown 2008? Yeah. And was that the one in Philly? I can't remember. Yeah. I was there. I can't remember. But that big reveal at the end of all of that yeah. was Bobby Lashley coming back. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I it, people were like that Hulk Lee Course Center was uber excited. Yes, can't believe I used that word. They were really they popped. It was a pop. Yeah. It was a big cool. pop for that crowd. Yeah. Um, Dash, hold on. I'll read that message in a second. So you, you can't excuse the fact that years later he doesn't have fun. People like the guy. Yes, just don't want him talking. He's it's mm-hmm. I call it the sting. Mm-hmm. Don't talk. Talk yeah. less. Yeah. Even in your pride, don't, don't talk so much. Yeah. And the, the hard part with Sting is that Sting didn't need a manager because he had so much charisma on his he own. Did, he needed to say yeah. four words. He never yeah. needed him to cut a promo longer than 20 seconds. No. Again, our last episode we did, I could point out to three or four interviews in a th- year 30 span where it was good, and one of them was on that network promo when he came back to WWE full time. Yeah. <laughs> that short run. Um. The only reason, the the only way I would, um, and I agree with you on both your points about whether to keep the belt on Lashley or to put it on Drew. You keep the belt on Lashley only if the rematch with almost a guarantee the way things are going with the vaccinations and the lockdowns that you will get an even bigger crowd for the rematch for SummerSlam. See, I was talking to Kelly about this. Um, it's not going to be 100% capacity, but I can totally see, like, September, when baseball's starting to wind down and all the other sports are starting to wind back up again, mm-hmm. that we're going to be miles away from where we are right now. It's going to be a long road through yeah. the summer, but we're going to mm-hmm. be miles away. Yeah. I almost 100% guarantee that by next WrestleMania, it doesn't... It, there might be some masks still on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll be wearing a mask for a little while. Again, I've seen people react to washing their hands. Don't wear a mask, thanks. Um, but I can see by this time next year, yeah, things will be closer to normal. And that's what they said in the beginning was 22. Yeah. People were like, no, it can't last that long. Well, you're certainly acting like it's going to be that long. Anyway. <laughs> So, yeah, I still think Drew will get his moment. Okay. If he doesn't, yes, I'll be upset, but nobody can. It's in the history books. Mm-hmm. It was a great moment. It'll be on his highlight reel okay. when he retires. Yes. Also, you compact that with the fact that he came back the way he did when everybody wrote him off in the first place. Yeah. It, one of the great comeback stories in WWE history, I'd, I'd say next to – Next to Eddie's, uh, and now I always put Eddie at the at the top because I, we all thought he was going to die. Yeah, that was a little more serious. Yeah, but Drew coming in with such promise and fading quickly, and to be part of the three man band to go from that horrible gimmick to obscurity to working his way back on the Indies, back through NXT, and then. Being the same guy, but just tougher, stronger, smarter, 
better worker, and even his best moment in NXT was marred by injury. It, granted, it gave us the the the, uh, the birth of the undisputed era. Speaking of great heel stable teams, right there, R.I.P. them. Yeah. But um, he again the second greatest comeback in WWE history, and he deserves a WrestleMania moment. I don't as as great as it was, and it still gives me goosebumps. His Royal Rumble moment. Um. I want him to have his WrestleMania moment. I do. No, I agree. Yeah, he, and he, do, he deserves it. I was trying to put a cherry on top of the S Sunday that was the 2020. <laughs> I was trying, but yeah, no, he he deserves it. And I'm I'm assuming the wrestling gods will smile upon him because I don't want to give Vince that much credit. And the hard part, uh, Dan, is uh, Bobby Lashley also deserves it because his last WrestleMania moment in this in the main event. Uh, is now will be forever tainted. So I mean, you all are tainted now. I hated him in there, mm-hmm. the unnamed fuck. Yeah, when he was there in the first place. Yeah, and people and always he, try to tell me you just hate him because oh, son, no. it's been documented. I've hated that gentleman, being from Jersey, <laughs> having people who have lost things because of him, mm-hmm. personally. I've hated this person, the but our it, former president of the United States, much longer than you. It's not even that, Dan. I mean, that's one reason that his last WrestleMania moment was tainted, but you can't even mention who his opponent was because the WWE oh never God. mentioned <laughs> who his, who his I opponent I forgot was. he was even there, dude. Yeah. So, I forgot that was the guy. Yeah. So as much as it's Drew McIntyre. As much as Drew McIntyre deserved the WrestleMania moment, so too does does Bobby Lashley. I think Vince owes it to them to get at least semi-main event those fuckers next year. Yeah. At least. Mm-hmm. But just get the pictures. Yeah. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Going back to the past for that greeting. No. What? <laughs> no, we don't want that. We don't want that? I immediately got scared. <laughs> Am I going to be fed to a tiger? No. Oh, okay. I have to kill you first. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, that's how it works. Oh, I forgot. Yes. Are we still rolling? Are we still live? Am no, we're, 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 we're on. Uh, no, no, we're, 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 we're keeping that. I, I, I couldn't tell. Well, yeah, we're keeping that. Well, because, you know, the all the graphics and stuff threw me off. Because if you haven't noticed, folks, we're in black and white. Because we're going to go back to a time where uh, professional wrestling was professional wrestling. Back when... Uh, Wrestling, when it came on national TV, it actually got ratings because people were actually interested and people watched. Back when you could watch wrestling live in every state in the country, sitting next to someone without benefit of a mask or social distancing. Back when titles were called belts, back when medical facilities were called hospitals, and back when sports entertainment was professional wrestling. Uh, We're going to go back to uh, March 1st. 1976, and a cool night in Madison Square Garden. 45 years ago, on March 1st, wrestling against Pete Sanchez, the Madison Square Garden debut of one nature boy, Ric Flair. Oh, <laughs> uh, no big deal. Yeah, it was no, it was it was a big deal to uh, Bill After and the wrestling magazines because. Uh, Flair, who had been groomed, and this is uh, a year after his uh, 
plane crash that almost ruined his career, and he was up and coming in the Mid-Atlantic area, and when you're a big deal in the NWA or another territory, you got the call to New York. So when a wrestler, especially an NWA wrestler, made it, came to New York in his debut in uh, Madison Square Garden, it's a big deal. So Bill After in the wrestling, the wrestler magazine, uh, chronicled his his journey there and his entire match with Pete Sanchez, and with his arms raised in victory, the uh, picture said Ric Flair takes a bite out of the Big Apple, and uh, that was uh, the big debut, and it was a big deal on a national scene because back then we only had wrestling magazines to keep us informed about all the comings and goings of wrestlers around the globe. So Ric Flair wrestling in Madison Square Garden was a huge deal, and that only that just propelled Rick to the, the, the status that we all know him now. I have a question, because I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, how well covered was his entry, the plane crash and the injury and recovery of Ric Flair, or was he written off? Or was he even written about because he was a nobody? Uh, he was he was written about uh, because okay. he at that point he had already won a uh, uh, was one half of the Mid Atlantic Tag Team Champions with uh, with Rip Hawk, um, and his plane crash um, right, yeah. w- was a big deal because it made the papers. I was going to save it for a future wrestling historian because one of the passengers in that plane, uh, Mr. Wrestling Tim Woods. Uh, can be credited for single-handedly saving the wrestling business, if not specifically wrestling in the Mid-Atlantic, which would spawn Ric Flair and many other great superstars into national prominence. But Tim Woods uh, was on the plane cr- that that crashed that broke Ric Flair's back. And I'll tell the story again in September. I was going to do it for the anniversary, but I can tell do it, it now. Do it, do it, do it. Uh, Ric Flair, uh, gentlemen and ladies, um, was in a plane um, that crashed. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, it was Ric Flair, Tim Woods, uh, Johnny Valentine, and uh, David Crockett are on the plane and the pilot. And uh, the plane never really got off the runway, and it uh, crashed terribly. Ric Flair sustained a broken back. Uh, Johnny Valentine was paralyzed, semi-paralyzed, but would never wrestle again, and he was a top heel in the business. Um, David Crockett su- su- sustained massive internal injuries. Tim Woods, um, uh, the pilot, unfortunately died, and Tim Woods had several severely broken ribs. The plane uh, crash was uh, covered in the local papers, but they used all the wrestlers' real names. Who? Um, and Tim Woods checked himself into the hospital under his real name. Uh, now, word it got out to them, the wrestlers, because Ric Flair was known, David Crockett was known, Johnny Valentine they knew was in, uh, were in the plane. The other two people, the, the person they didn't know, uh, Tim Woods, because he used his real name. So Tim Woods' name wasn't in the, in the newspaper article. But fans, well, people would get suspicious because Fans knew that Ric Flair and Johnny Valentine was a heel and Tim Woods was a face. So if Tim Woods was in the same plane as these guys, let alone in the same hospital, something must have been up. So Tim Woods 
checked himself out under his real name, which wasn't Tim Woods. It escapes me now. But he wrestled, put on his mask, taped up his ribs, and wrestled. So people would know, oh, my, well, it couldn't have been Tim Woods because he was wrestling. So there's no way he could have been in a plane crash and wrestle. So I don't know who the, the, the other guy were, but it wasn't Tim Woods who wrestled. So Tim Woods, putting his own life on the line with severely cracked ribs, checked himself out of a hospital just to wrestle, just to save face, just to let everyone know that it wasn't him in the, in the plane crash with those heels, not breaking kayfabe. And because of that, Ric Flair, David Crockett, and the Mid-Atlantic Wrestling uh, Community in general, Ric Flair even pointed out in his book that Tim Woods saved professional wrestling. That's insane to me. Yeah. Got that, it. That's insane to me. Back then, you protected the business, Dan, more than anything else, and if word had gotten out that a bad guy was on a plane with the good guys and they were all in the same uh, hospital, and even to in, um, in 1986, um, when uh, after Magnum's uh, car accident, when it made the, uh, the, the news, and it was on the Charlotte News, the main story, the top story, and on the cover of the Charlotte Observer and the newspapers there, and uh, people that even Ric Flair, Tully, Arn, who wanted to come and see him, had to uh, wait or had to go to another entrance to get into the hospital in order to see Magnum because they didn't want fans to uh, to know that they didn't want to break kayfabe. So, and again, this is the Carolinas where the re- their love of wrestling goes very deep, um, but trying to protect the business. But uh, yeah, when, when Tim Woods uh, was in a plane crash, uh, checked out under his real name, couldn't let the fans know. But uh, Ric Flair, you know, broke his back, came back uh, better than ever, and his road to success started uh, after he came back and reinvented himself, dropped the almost 300 pounds that he was holding at the time, became the biggest star on the Mid-Atlantic, got a call up to uh, to New York, made his debut at Madison Square Garden March 5th, March 1st, apologies, 1976. Uh, exactly 10 years later, March 1st, 1986, was the uh, debut, well, not the debut, but it was a, another edition. I think it was the third edition of Saturday Night's Main Event. Uh, this was the main event where um, Mr. T fought Bob Orton in a uh, boxing match. And the main event was uh, Hulk Hogan against uh, Magnificent Morocco. And Mr. Fuji was uh, sick. He couldn't be in Morocco's corner, and you could tell he was sick because there was Mr. Fuji in a full tuxedo and a derby putting an ice pack on his hat to show that he was sick. So Bobby Heenan was in the corner of the Magnificent One for his Saturday night's main event with Hulk Hogan. But Bobby Heenan wasn't the manager of Magnificent Morocco. He was the manager of King Kong Bundy who interfered in this match, squashed Hogan repeatedly in the corner, Good. and had Hogan stretchered out, and that would set up WrestleMania two that year. And that Saturday night's main event, Dan, 
Get a, get a 10.0 rating. Uh, sucks. Did indeed. Yes, does indeed mess up for wrestling on national TV. Uh, being to March 2nd. 1993, Dan, on this very podcast, we talked about great teams and great wrestlers um, that have been known as champions, uh, but they've only been champions once. We talked about the Road Warriors, hands down, being the best team in the NWA for five, six years in a row, but they were only the NWA Tag Team Champions once. The Midnight Express, Stan Lane and Bobby Eaton, some consider the best version of the Midnight Express ever. But they were only well, the NWA World Tag Team Champions once. Well, another great team, uh, the, so- the self-proclaimed tag team of the 1990s, uh, defeated the team of Ricky Steamboat and Shane Douglas. Flying Brian and Stunning Steve became the NWA Tag Team Champions, the Hollywood Blondes, March 2nd, 1993, for their first and only World Tag Team Championship run. I see. We live in this world where, um, Brian Pillman and Steve Austin are their legacies are over, right? Mm-hmm. Both one ended terribly short, but had a legacy to it. Mm-hmm. The other one. Had an amazing wrestling legacy with a little bit of tragedy thrown in there, just to spice things up in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's crazy that they won the title because you know, we talked about the hurt business in this episode, yeah. and kind of them being pushed aside because they were not going to be used. Enter the Hollywood Bonds. Yeah, two guys that were wrestling circles around most of the main event, most yeah. of the main event in the days. Mm-hmm. A lot of the main event. Uh, it's unfair yeah. because the town, uh, you, you have Flair's thing. A lot of the main event. Yeah. But you so could I'll correct see. myself. But they yeah. weren't supposed to be there. They weren't supposed yeah. to do it. And they became, in spite of Dusty, his one of his few talent booking mistakes. Mm-hmm. Not talking about storylines. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> and in spite of that, they became so popular, they were like, the title's yours, baby. <laughs> like, it, I, I, it's crazy to say that, having them become who they became, mm-hmm. that it was a, they were both an afterthought. And you and I watching, even at a younger age, going, how are they not bigger? Yeah. And, and you could see, well, you always could see with, with, with Pillman, you know, the athleticism. And the, and he was someone that Flair hand-picked that I want to work with this guy. And their match on the Sunday night uh, main event still was the highest-rated um, main event they had on TBS on a Sunday night for any match ever. And I uh, always thought he would have made a great horseman had they pulled the trigger on that end. Oh, man. But he and Steve Austin were really not. Austin, another person you could see, you know, the guy could talk and had the swagger. Uh, and he had innate you know, natural talent, and the guy could go. And you put those two together, 
with an with an old gimmick. They were not the first team to call themselves the Hollywood Blondes. They're like the fifth team to call themselves the Hollywood Blondes. Yeah, and they, yeah, and there's been the, like two since. Yeah, the, <laughs> the name, but the I mean the name Hollywood Blonde is older than Tillman and all. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, combined yeah. like twice. Combined, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so they took this tired gimmick and they ran with it and they became it and to the point where they were. Main eventing. Once from uh, Cincinnati and once from Texas. <laughs> once from Texas, yeah, absolutely. But they just clicked. And uh, even Star in the massive, with, with, again, the, speaking of guys that can run circles around the main events at the time, not only Pillman and Austin, but the guys they beat, Shane Douglas and Ricky Steamboat. And they were having matches night in and night out that, you know, weren't taped but were barn burners because we got the four best workers in that company in WCW at that time. Uh, again, the, the tragedy, and, and we know you, you touched upon it earlier, uh, Pillman injured his ankle uh, the, and uh, couldn't wrestle. Austin teamed up with Regal. They lost the tag team title. So Pillman and Austin remained undefeated as a tag team. They never lost to the belts, those two. But after that, it was no justice. Yeah, but there were no plans to put the belt back on Austin and Pillman. By then, Austin had established himself as a singles guy and one of the best workers, if not the, in the company with his matches with Steamboat and Barry Windham. Uh, And then uh, when the main event was when Ric Flair came back from the WWF, returned from the WWF, and he and Arn had a main event tag team match with – with the Hollywood Blondes, with Michael Buffer as the uh, ring announcer on an epic Clash of Champions, uh, it was all it was. Um, Austin had established himself as as a guy to reckon with. So Austin's career was going in one way, Pillman's was going another. Uh, the Hulk Hogan effect uh, reared its ugly head, and the writing was on the wall. Uh, but. If it wasn't for that early success in WCW as one half of the Hollywood Blondes, Steve Austin would not have found himself and where he was then to where he turned out to be. Hold on, keep pointing. I have to close the chat window. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. There you this go. guy. Ralph Stink. Uh, was a, uh, a career-defining moment. But uh, the Hollywood Blondes. Uh, won their first and only World Tag Team title, March 2nd, 1993. <laughs> and you want to see heel tag team, folks. Uh, Flying Brian, Stunning Steve. They were such pricks. No one, not a better team. Uh, watch their skit, uh, Flair for the Flair for the Old. Flair for the Old. To set up, <laughs> to set up the, uh, the Rick Flair, Arn Anderson uh, feud. Oh, man. Yeah, I forget that that's what sets that up in the first place. And to, to show you how disjointed WCW was at the time, you know, Flair had returned with Arn Anderson. And obviously, to recapture the glory days, there was talk of, you know, wanting to reform the horsemen. Um, and well, what was a plan was Flair and Arn uh, with Stan Lane and Bobby Eaton with Jimmy Jim Cornette, they wanted him to be a commentator the whole time. That's what Heard wanted for some reason. And they would be managed by woman, the Four Horsemen. That oh. the Four Horsemen. But Boy. the idea that the idea that 
that Austin uh, pitched was after the Flair and Arn uh, tag team match that they had, the main event on uh, that Clash of Champions, and the dynamic that all four of them had, uh, why not have Flair and Arn being taken down and have the Hollywood Blondes come in to, you thought, would join in, but they would help out Flair and Arn, and that would be your horsemen. Flair, Arn, Flying, uh, Brian, and can, and can, can you imagine the incredibly weird alternate reality we would live in if Pillman and Austin were horsemen? Yeah. That would have slowed. Would we yeah, ever get the Stone Cold? Would he, oh, wow, that changes a lot of things. I, I would, you know, and the same thing when we talked about last week um, or the week before prior, Dan, we were in Black History Month. If Ron Simmons had joined the varsity club, would that have slowed down his? Right, <laughs> he would have been the top draw in that group. Yeah, to considering the he was in that group. Yeah, would that have slowed down his March WCW championship? Wow. But um, yeah. But Steve Austin, uh, Flying Brian Pillman, um, what they they were the tag team of the nineties. That's what they called themselves. That they were building tag team of the nineties. Tag team of the 1990s, Flying Brian, Stunning Steve, the Hollywood, Hollywood. <laughs> Oh, man. And they had yeah. fun with it, too. They did, and you can tell they did, and they were, and you can see them bonding, not just on, in the ring, but out of the ring, and that carried over into the WWF. Austin still wears a ring that, uh, that Brian Pillman got him around That's his neck. He's still yep. his, his best friend. I got to tell you, though, uh, Dan, I miss the uh, the Just Win Baby tights that uh, Austin used to wear <laughs> yes. when he was signing Steve. <laughs> well, if I, he wore some horrible tights, but those oh, always man. make me laugh, man. Yes. If I ever get a chance to meet him, that's the first thing I'm going to ask him. Do you still have the Just Win Baby tights? Yes. That, that was completely it. did lie to uh, me. Well, I, I do. Don't care. Yes, I do. Yeah. I, well, yes, I do. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was watching a... Uh, an episode of uh, Straight Up Steve Austin on the USA Network. It came on after Raw on Monday, and he was talking to Joel McHale. And Joel McHale, uh, whether you're a fan or not, uh, was very upfront about his losing his hair and about his... Joel McHale? Nothing. I'm, I know he loves a lot of people the wrong way. I'm, I'm talking to our, our audience here. Okay. But he was... McHale was very upfront about his hair transplant and how, how good it looks. And he didn't believe that Austin had a long... Bl- blowing blonde hair. Oh. <laughs> he, he, he thought Austin was always always, always blonde. Oh, he was always blonde. Long, sir. Austin, Dan, Austin had to reach into his phone, okay, <laughs> and just wait. I know it was edited because I know he didn't just have it like that. But he had to, and he and he showed a picture of him when he was a WCW TV champion, and and Mikhail, he just holy shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is the yeah. well, it, to this day still when I. I thought they scored that last shot. When uh, to this day, when I like like Jenny, mm-hmm. when I introduced her back in, this, she knew who Steve Austin was, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I'll bring up an old match. I'm like, see that guy? That's Steve Austin. You always get the what the what? holy shit! It is <laughs> every time. Yeah, it's weird to explain that to people because it's like the different Steve Austin that you and I. Well, I, yeah. you were already an adult, but I grew up with that he became is a different perspective that people go, Steve Austin, the bald guy. Then you go, not all the time. 
Nope. What? <laughs> Holy shit. I also want to point out that Mick Foley called it yeah. years before when he was at World – well, was it World Class at that point? Not really. It was, it was the dying days of World Class. and He, he was, was officially there as far as World Class. Okay. Yes. But yeah. he was there, and one of the kids he saw, he was that kid. That yeah. Steve Austin kid, or Steve yeah. Williams, whatever the hell his name was at the time. Well, he, he called him that blonde kid, you know, because after the matches in, in the world-famous sportatorium, after when World Class was done, they'd have tryouts. They'd have to bring the rookies out after the TV was, you know, was gone, and they'd have them run the ropes and do bumps and everything like that. And Mick would, would hang back and look, and he said a lot of – you could tell a lot of guys weren't, weren't worth a damn, but he said that blonde kid, he stuck out to me. And, uh, you know, Mick Foley, he said in his book how he's 50% because – he said that blonde kid is pretty good, but that this this kid with the funky hair, with the weird, he ain't gonna make it. And of course, that kid was The Rock. And uh, <laughs> was he at? Oh, that's right, he would have. Yeah. Yeah. When you he, know what's funny to me? You know, Steve talks about in that original documentary, which is still the best one that's on DVD, mm-hmm. uh, which is like a combination of Stone Cold, because Stone Cold said so, and like an updated. It's like a proper documentary. Yeah. Where he talks about his first TV payout, and he's like, $20, $25? Years later, he realized that was Fritz stiffing him. <laughs> because yeah. it's Fritz. <laughs> exactly. That's amazing. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. That was a guys, The Hollywood Blondes. I used to hate them so much. That's me. They were doing a good job. Uh, yeah. I, I was like prime age. Mm-hmm. To just be like, yeah. <laughs> God, fuck! You guys suck. Don't say suck. They stink. Yeah, yeah. That and Ernie, that's what Ernie Ladd was for me. I was prime age for. Oh. God, he has the nerve to say he's coming to Philadelphia. He wants us all to be quiet out of respect for him. That's a little bitch. <laughs> Ernie Ladd. I hate that I was not uh, uh, born earlier to watch Ernie Ladd. Ernie Ladd, I remember when that WrestleMania tape came out. Mm -hmm. I only knew Ernie Ladd by name, and he's in, you know, that first WrestleMania documentary where it's kind of like a work shoot. Yeah. You know, George is talking about, I just wanted her to watch my windows. Okay, that's weird. Um, That's all I'd want to do with Elizabeth, too, just have her watch my windows. but Ernie Ladd just came off like Ernie fucking Ladd. Yeah. And as a young kid, I was like, this dude is awesome. Did he wrestle at all past WrestleMania? Yes, slightly, son. Yeah. yeah. And you it learn later, like, oh, no, yeah. this was the cat, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. And then years later, you find out that he beat up both Briscoe brothers and dropped them off yeah. in the hospital. <laughs> and he's one of the baddest motherfuckers in the world. That's it. Or not enough people talk about Ernie Ladd, and we got to do podcasts about him every, like, just about him one day. Ernie Ladd, the the wrestler. Ernie Ladd, the Booker. I mean, he was it was him that turned Teddy Biasi heel. You know. Do it in. Come here. <laughs> I just picture that in my head of this big, huge black dude smacking around two little white guys. And they weren't little. No, and they were shooters. And they, they were shooters. They, they, they were better. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Go ahead. I'm sorry. End it. No, don't no, no. <laughs> You can't. End. We have to end on a good note with uh, with Ernie Ladd, the only person that could say the King Kong Bundy who would highlight WrestleMania two in 1986, who on March 1st 
um, destroyed Hulk Hogan on Saturday Night's main event. But to Ernie Ladd, it'll always be Bundy, you fat piece of shit. <laughs> we bring guys in to get you over, and what do you do? You dumb yourself out of position. Um, only Ernie Ladd. <laughs> you get away with it. Yes. What and is he Bundy going to do? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> But was responsible for King Kong Bundy's first run at a uh, in a main event. That was in the mid south. Uh, he was Bundy do. Bundy probably took it like yeah, shit. He, he he started the five count in the mid south, and in Junkyard Dog was the North American champion. He had him pinned for a three count. He would have been the end of. He would have been the mid south North American champion. But he asked for a five, and when the referee counted four, and Dog powered out. And uh, went on to win, but the guys that he brought in to get Bundy over, he kept uh, he kept hurting, or he would miss a spot, and he, he had all that momentum from pinning, you know, Junkyard Dog, and it just kind of went out, went away after that, and that's when Ernie said, "Bundy, you fat piece of shit, we bring guys in to get you over, and what do you do? You dumb yourself right out of position." Amazing. Yes. So thank you, Ernie Ladd. Uh, if it, and with Ernie Ladd, I Black History Month is every every History Month because he's walking, talking history, the big cat. And that, gentlemen and ladies, is the wrestling historian. And you can find me on all your social media platforms: Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Craig Legons, C R A I G L I G E O N S. You could. Follow me following this crazy goddamn pain in the ass Sixers team. At you re- look at the score, Dan Law eighty three. All social media platforms. I'm out of Facebook jail too. They released me two days early for good behavior. Uh, YouTube.com/slash Dan Law eighty three. Twitch.tv if you're not there already. Slash Dan Law eighty three. It's all free. Just hit that follow, subscribe, or like button. For Craig Legans. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. VOCNation.com. We're getting a new logo soon. So they tell me. I don't know. They never mention me as one of the hosts. And then remember two days later and go, sorry. But anyway, it's the way it is. I, and, I've and accepted my position at the bottom of the hate. But we, we also have T-shirts now. We do have T-shirts now. Jesus. You, you, like you think the guy that made the T-shirt. Were, eh, we have a T-shirt now. If you go to the Twitter page and click on the link. The merch link links it right to our new uh, HIC Talk Radio T-shirt with the revamp logo. Um, go there; it's twenty bucks. All the proceeds goes to the Dan and Craig are out of work fund. So, I'll <laughs> go to the match media. We'll see you next week. Good night. Hey, this is a Total Package, Lex Luger, and you're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out. Check out In the Room. Every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Kathy Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you and Ray are there too, right, Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Taku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into like snuff film territory there. In the room, 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Wrestling with history, the voice of choice, and killer can resonate. When I die, they're going to open me up and find about 2,000 undigested Northwest Airline cheese omelets. <laughs>
Mr. Chris Cruz, what's going on? Jesus, how did I get roped into this? General Adnan went to school with Saddam Hussein. He cried, I cried, he cried, and who could have cried? Adnan lost a lot of family in the Iraqi war. Everybody loves Granny. Wow. Yeah, see, a lot of people don't know that. Yes, Dylan, you guys are busting me up. Catch Wrestling With History with Ken Resnick and I live on VOCNation.com Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern Time or listen to the podcast by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Stadium Journey, the worldwide leader in stadium reviews for the traveling sports fan, is proud to present the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. Join us as we talk with prominent figures from around the sports world to discuss issues pertaining to sports travel and stadiums around the globe. New episodes air on VOC Nation Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Join Paul Baker, Dave Cartney, Mark Viquez, Dan Calachico, and guests from throughout the sports world on the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. Rock and Roll Union and North Step Productions in conjunction with Blu Ray Atlantic City proudly present Jersey Shore Jam 2. May 15th. Featuring As We Become Ghosts and Rat Rod. It's been a long, cold winter and now it's time to rock. Also appearing, the Rock and Roll Union house band Shades of Grey playing all of your favorites from the 60s to now. All COVID regulations will be in place. Tickets are available at eventbrite.com and are extremely limited, so get them before they run out. Doors open at 6 and showtime is at 7. Rat Rod, As We Become Ghosts, and Shades of Grey. Jersey Shore Jam 2, May 15th at Blu-ray, 201 South New York Avenue, Atlantic City. Did I mention there's free parking? Don't miss it. Yo, this is Jerry Stags of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs here. You get ready to get nasty. Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby, because it's about to get nasty all around and up in this mother. Get ready. Nasty Sensation is coming at you. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network.